For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for your patience. I'm so sorry for keeping you waiting. The mayor of San Jose, California, is a pretty busy guy. Okay, I'll just close my door to make sure nobody runs in. His name is Sam Licardo. I'm Ricky Ricardo with an L. Except I don't sing. <laughs> Unless requested? Mayor Licardo is term limited. This is his last year in office. It is, yeah, they're kicking me out. <laughs> is there pressure to get things done? Absolutely. I'm uh, I'm racing to the finish line right now. And, uh, you know, I know it's a relief for my wife, but <laughs> I, uh, for me, it's, a, you know, a sense that I've got 11 months to get everything done that, that we ever wanted to try. <laughs> One of the things Mayor Licardo has been wanting to try is passing a few ordinances around guns. He's really leaned in here. First, San Jose required all gun purchases to be recorded to ensure they were legal. And then just last month, the city instituted another rule. They say it's the first of its kind in the country. This ordinance will require gun owners to both have liability insurance and pay a fee to the city. And that money will fund gun safety initiatives. It's the beginning of a new kind of framework for gun safety. Less about gun control, more about harm reduction. Did you expect that you were going to finish out your time as mayor talking about gun violence? Not really. Uh, you know, I, although I'm a, I'm a criminal prosecutor by background, uh, this is not a particularly violent city. In fact, you know, I think we had the lowest homicide rate of any big city in the country last year. So why the push? Well, we've, we've been rocked by three mass shootings in the last three years. And, you know, as I delved deeper into this subject about guns and their impact in our community, you know, it recognizes that the headlines only tell a very small fraction of the harm and the devastation that families feel, whether it's, uh, you know, suicide, which comprises the majority of gun-related deaths in our country, or unintentional shootings. You know, I talked to a, a mom who lost a son that way just a couple of years ago, and that, you know, about a little more than a third of emergency room admissions in this country result from unintentional shooting from guns. It's an interesting distinction you're drawing there. I feel like so much of the conversation around guns is centered on crime. And what you're saying is these are just kind of dangerous objects. And as a mayor, you end up encountering people who have been the victims of guns in all kinds of ways. Yes, uh, guns owned by law-abiding gun owners, uh, many of whom are quite well-intentioned. But the reality is there's a lot of harm that's resulting in it's preventable harm. It's harm that we can do something about. Today on the show, can San Jose pioneer a new approach to gun control? And if this city stands alone, Will their new approach 
make any difference. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by SAP. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI will not help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos, but it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, or automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This new ordinance in San Jose, the best way to think about it may be as an experiment. And I say that not just because the rules are being challenged in court. I say that because in this city, there are just 55,000 gun-owning households, a fraction of the total population. So I want to go through step-by-step how you got to the place you are now. When you ran for mayor of San Jose, like, did you talk about gun control a lot? Was it your thing? No. And, you know, if if you did the polling, you'd probably find that it wouldn't be a a strong issue to be talking about because obviously it's divisive in every community. And, you know, it, it never really came up because I think the assumption has long been in this country that cities don't have any regulatory authority in this area. So it's just not a city issue. It's up to the states and and to Congress. And, you know, for the most part, Congress has sort of abdicated its responsibility here. So, you know, several years into office became obvious that no one else was going to do something we should try. I read that you started working on gun violence prevention in earnest after the shooting at the Gilroy Garlic Festival in July 2019. Hey, shot, 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 shot! Deadly shooting at a food festival in Northern California. Three people killed, at least 15 injured. I had a couple of encounters after that horrible event. One with the mother of, of one of the, the two children who had been shot, who, who just you know posed a question that, that stuck with me in my mind, which was, can't you or can't anybody do anything about this? I had a much more contentious encounter, I remember, at a memorial where I think it was a relative who was, it may have been a cousin or a friend who was Spanish speaking, who confronted me very publicly and said, look, you guys talk a lot, but you don't really do anything. And she's right. What's the city doing about this? And and, and that that question just rang over and over in my head as as I thought about what we can do as a city. You know, is there... Is there some space here for us to be able to stand up for our residents? After the Garlic Festival, was the idea immediately, how do we find a way to extract money from gun owners? And what would that look like? Well, I I had been thinking for some time about this idea of gun insurance. And it's not a new idea. It's not my idea. Other legislatures have proposed these things. So I thought a little bit about that. And then I realized, well, you know, that's nice, but it's not actually going to generate the resources we need to actually reduce gun harm. And so came up with this notion of of a fee along with it. You know, we all agree the Second Amendment protects the right 
for all of us to own or possess a gun, but it doesn't require taxpayers to subsidize that, right? And when people become aware of the fact that, hey, whether you own a gun or not, you're actually paying for this, you know, it starts to get folks thinking about, well, how can we better distribute the costs of gun ownership and gun harm? And then in May 2021, you were dealing with another mass shooting, right? At the San Jose rail yard. Yeah. The train yard, of course, remains sealed off as a crime scene. Many of us still just struggling to comprehend what happened in downtown San Jose, though we've been through this before in other Bay Area locations, not quite to this magnitude. In the middle of the Bay Area. Nine people were killed, plus the gunman died by suicide. Cassidy first killed several co-workers in one building, then was seen on this surveillance video calmly walking over to a second building where he murdered several more. How did that impact the conversation around this rule? I think it, it provided further impetus for us just to, to move forward. You know, what was particularly poignant to me beyond the horrific event that happened was over the next 13 days, we looked at gun violence in our city. We saw eight separate deaths or serious injuries that resulted from gun-inflicted wounds over those next 13 days. Not a single one of them really made the headlines. And what became so apparent was that we see the coastline of gun violence in our communities, which are these horrible, devastating mass shootings, but the larger ocean is largely ignored. You know, take the, the horrible shooting at the transit facility, within weeks, one of the witnesses to that shooting had turned a gun on himself. Henry Gonzalez is now the 10th victim of this VTA tragedy. Now, after a co-worker shot and killed nine others, Gonzalez was the one who tried to comfort victims' families. And now he was a VTA, a transit employee, he was obviously forlorn over the loss of his friends and undoubtedly suffers from some kind of PTSD from, from seeing this shooting, and he shot himself. Now, that was a preventable loss. Those who knew him said the pain he endured was too much to bear. He was one that went out and met uh, many of the members and sat in their living rooms and ex- tried to explain and help them get through uh, this unknown of why this happened. Gonzalez served on the executive- Could we have gotten to him with mental health treatment? Could we have gotten to him with suicide prevention? initiatives. You know, I can't know for sure if we could have changed the trajectory of of the devastation that that family felt, but I sure would have liked to have tried. So the city council voted last month on this ordinance, and it requires gun owners in San Jose to carry liability insurance and also to pay an annual $25 fee, a harm reduction fee. Some of these things, the fee seems a little bit new to me. The insurance seems like something people may already have through homeowners insurance or something like that. So tell me how this ordinance will change things. Yeah, all fair. So let me start with the insurance. It is true that many uh, homeowners and renters already have liability insurance for possession of guns. They may not be reporting the guns to the insurance companies as they ought to be. It all depends, obviously, on the policy. But this is insurance that's widely available. We want to make sure that, first of all, folks have it because that's important to compensate those who are injured and harmed 
by guns, but also because when you notify the insurance company, the insurance company can start to ask questions like, do you have a gun safe? Do you have a trigger lock? Have you taken gun safety classes? And those kinds of actions can help to reduce the premium for the insured, just as drivers got safe driver discounts on our premiums. We, we got discounts back in the day when they came out with anti-lock brakes and airbags and other kinds of devices that have made driving safer. In fact, we've seen on a per mile basis that the fatalities related to automobiles have, have dropped about 80% over the last five decades. And part of that, a big part of that is insurance companies that are incentivizing people to be safer, to drive safer cars. So in the same way, we're hoping that insurance companies will really get in the game, roll up their sleeves, uh, not just obviously San Jose does this, but hopefully as more cities and states do it. The $25 fee, what will that go towards? Like who decides what it goes toward? Yeah, really important question. So we're forming a, a 501c3 foundation, which is going to receive the dollars. And the board, uh, which will be comprised of a host of folks, including, for example, a Stanford professor who's an epidemiologist who's been focused on gun harm and nonprofit experts who understand domestic violence prevention programs, suicide prevention. We've invited and at least one member of a gun group has actually joined uh, this effort to create this nonprofit because we want organizations representing gun owners to be at the table, helping us to understand how do we best communicate, how we best invest. And overwhelmingly, and I'd say entirely under the, under the ordinance, these dollars are going to serve occupants of gun-owning households or significant others who are in relationship with those who own guns. How? Uh, well, a letter will go out to all gun-owning households and say, hey, you got a gun. Here's a lot of services that are available to you mental health, suicide prevention, domestic violence prevention, gun safety classes, whatever it might be that, that is evidence-based that shows that we can reduce gun violence, right? Here's a host of services. And by the way, here's your obligation. You got to pay a $25 fee. Hmm. So it's, it's almost like joining a club. Yeah. And look, I don't pretend to believe these are overwhelmingly folks who are willing to want to do this. I recognize that this is Uh, by government fiat, and and many would prefer not to pay the fee. But if we're in the business of reducing harm and devastation from guns, you go to where the risk is. How much are you expecting that people will pay this fee? Is there an enforcement mechanism? What happens if they don't? Yeah, important question. So it's it's a civil requirement. We have not created a criminal sanction here for for various reasons. Uh, So anyone who doesn't comply will pay a fine. In terms of enforcement, how that happens, what we see right now in the judicial landscape and the Supreme Court looks like they're about to invalidate New York's concealed carry restrictions. Uh, California also had concealed carry permit requirements. And when those get pushed aside, as we expect they will, we're going to have a lot more law enforcement encountering people with guns out on the street, in bars and nightclubs. You can imagine a host of different venues where a police officer would really like to have the ability to remove a gun from a potentially combustible situation. For example, there's a bar brawl and you know they're patting down everybody after the cops have arrived and someone's got a gun. Have you paid your fee? Do you have insurance? No? Okay. Well, there's an opportunity for us to remove the gun 
And then when the, the gun owner comes back and demonstrates that they've complied with the law and they're a lawful gun owner, they get their gun back. But in the meantime, you've taken a gun out of a bar brawl, <laughs> and that's not a bad thing. We'll be back in a minute. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Taiwan with today in the Middle East. What happens in Ukraine has consequences for what's happening. AI. Hello, listeners. I'm Gabrielle Sierra host of the Why It Matters podcast from the Council on Foreign Relations. Look, the world of international affairs can feel overwhelming and complex, but it also shapes our lives every single day. So it pays to know what's going on out there. Why It Matters is a foreign policy podcast for the rest of us. And with a little bit of humor and a lot of questions, we're here to break down global topics and bring the world home to you. So join us every two weeks on Why It Matters, wherever you listen. You know, I went and watched the city council meeting when the ordinance passed. and It needs to go through one more hoop, is my understanding, before it's, it's fully enacted. Yeah, second reading, that's pretty perfunctory. You had dozens of people calling in to comment from all over the spectrum, people who were there to support... My daughter was shot and killed in San Jose, so I know firsthand the terrible loss and ongoing grief of losing a loved one unnecessarily to gun violence. People who were speaking out against it and quite angry about it. And the main criticism I heard is that this law, it's taxing a constitutional right. And I don't get taxed for my freedom of speech, for instance. Yeah. As a citizen of the United States, I have a right to keep and bear arms as I see fit to protect myself and property. A law-abiding citizen should not have to pay for this right, just like they do not have to pay or should not pay for the, their First Amendment rights to speak, assemble, and worship freely. Instead of attacking, And I wonder what you'd say to someone who feels like their rights are being infringed on by a law like this one. Yeah, I don't blame anyone for being emotional about this. These are really important issues that go to the core of what we believe about freedoms and, and rights and our, our own safety. But, but I'd say this, first, it's a fee, it's not a tax, and I won't go into the details about what the difference is. But the reality is that in this country, there have been taxes on guns and ammunition since at least 1919, and they've been upheld by the courts. So the fact that there's a constitutional right attached somewhere to the exercise of particular activity doesn't mean it can't be regulated, taxed, or, or, or have a fee imposed. I mean, you know, newspapers pay taxes, even though that's an important First Amendment right for the litigants who filed lawsuit against us who are exercising their Seventh Amendment rights. They paid a filing fee at the courthouse steps. Uh, these are all constitutional rights. They're all important. The question is not whether or not government can regulate them or not or pose fees or taxes. The question is whether or not those pose barriers that are 
unduly onerous to the exercise of those rights. And given the fact that buying a gun in this country costs hundreds, if not thousands of dollars, depending on the model you take, a $25 fee is probably not terribly onerous, it seems to me, nor is insurance, which can be obtained at little or no additional cost. Some constituents said things like, you're making law-abiding citizens pay for the bad actions of other people, that this isn't fair. Like, I'm doing everything right, and yet I'm going to be made to pay more for people who aren't handling their guns safely. What would you say to that? Yeah, I guess I would say it's not fair to the 250,000 families in my city that don't own guns but still have to pay taxes to respond to the harm inflicted by those who do own guns. And as I mentioned, an awful lot of that harm is inflicted by people who may be well-intentioned, may be law-abiding, but they own guns. So we have to recognize that the burden, the financial burden, is shifted on taxpayers who certainly don't benefit uh, because they don't own guns in any way and, and in many ways are often harmed. You say that you've been anticipating a barrage of lawsuits over this ordinance. How are you getting ready for this barrage of lawsuits, which is already beginning? Yeah, we've uh, one suit's been filed. There may be others. The complaint we saw that was filed in court a few days ago is very much what we'd expected. Uh, we'd been working for a year and a half with teams of lawyers from great uh, organizations throughout the country like Brady United and every town and Giffords that had been helping us understand uh, the nature of the legal challenges we'd be facing. And we certainly crafted the ordinance in various ways to try to ensure this would be lawful and upheld. Fortunate to have a private law firm, a Kachet Petrie, that stepped up immediately and said, we're willing to represent the city pro bono. Wow. So taxpayers aren't on the hook. And, you know, the big issue would probably be attorney's fees. That would be the, the cost, uh, the risk that we, we have. You say the lawsuit's what you expected. What do you mean by that? You know, I've often said in, in the world of gun regulation, no good deed goes unlitigated. And, hmm. you know, I've had a lot of mayors approaching me, legislators from the state house approaching me saying, hey, we want to do it too. We want to do it too. We just got to figure out if, you know, is it going to get through the courts? Well, we understand that's the nature. It's, it's all going to get challenged because that seems to be uh, the way that in a, in a deeply divided country, the, the way to resolve difficult political issues. You don't sound concerned. I don't know if that's the, you know, the term limits, <laughs> the fact that you won't be the person who has to wrap up the lawsuit or whether you just feel like we're solid and we got this. Well, look, I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> and so I feel fairly confident about our position. I think that uh, the Constitution certainly allows cities and states to do this. Uh, at the same time, also recognize we critically need innovation in this space. Now, this is sort of the Silicon Valley spirit. We, nothing that has been tried is working. You can read the headlines and figure that out pretty quickly. You look at the data about gun deaths in this country, it's atrocious compared to any other industrialized nation on the planet. It's critical for us to try something different. 
Here's something that's on my mind when I think about this ordinance, which is that it makes a lot of sense for all the reasons that you've laid out. But also, it seems to me that in order to really work and have a lasting impact, it needs much more support, and not just financial support, but one city putting in place these kinds of rules. It's like a drop in the bucket. Well, Mary, you're right. Um, We're not doing this because we think San Jose is suddenly going to stop gun violence by itself. We're doing this because we want the state of California to be doing this. We want every state to be doing this so that uh, we view gun insurance in the same way that every driver views auto insurance. This is simply part of the responsibility of having this very deadly instrument, whether it's an automobile or or a gun uh, in one's possession. We need to do something. We need to do more. And it's not just this idea. There can be other innovative ideas in other cities throughout the country, and we encourage all of them. And as mayors, we often steal each other's good ideas, uh, and that's appropriate. I'm confident others will will join us just as soon as they know um, that there's a path. And so we're going to blaze that path. Mayor Liccardo, I'm really grateful for your time and your thoughtfulness on this issue. Thank you, Mary. Really enjoyed it. Sam Liccardo is the mayor of San Jose, California. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Alana Schwartz, Daniel Hewitt, Carmel Dalshad, and Mary Wilson. We're led by Alicia Montgomery, and I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter and say hi. I'm at Mary's desk. But before we go, the What Next family has big news this week. We're having a baby. Not a real baby, a show baby. What Next TBD is adding a second episode to the week. That means twice as much Lizzie O'Leary in your feed. Once on Fridays and again on Sundays. We are so psyched to be bringing you more stories about tech and its role in our future. So stay tuned. All right, Lizzie's got the baton for now. I'll catch you back here on Monday. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. I'm Dahlia Lithwick, and I'm host of Amicus, Slate's podcast about the law and the U.S. Supreme Court. We are shifting into high gear, coming at you weekly with the context you need to understand the rapidly changing legal landscape. The many trials of Donald J. Trump, judicial ethics, arguments and opinions at SCOTUS. We are tackling the big legal news with clarity and insight every single week. New Amicus episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen.